Welcome to the Funeral Fact Podcast. Our goal is to lift the veil of mystery from funeral customs and traditions for our listeners around the globe. I'm your host, Jeff Casper. Before we get started with today's program, I wanted to welcome our new subscribers in the United States, 23 of the 50 of them, Canada, the United Kingdom, France, Germany, Sweden, Slovakia, the Netherlands, and Japan. If you're a new listener, welcome. We're growing by leaps and bounds, and you can help even more people find us by subscribing in iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or the Google Play Music Store. You can subscribe with just a click on our website, funeralfact.com, and don't forget to leave a review in iTunes or Google Play. Today, we're going to be exploring donating your body to science. Joining us today is Christopher Dolph the director of the Willed Body Program at Stanford University in Northern California. Welcome, Chris. How are you doing today? Great. How are you doing? Excellent. Excellent. Um, I'm actually looking forward to this because I think a lot of us have may have heard about, uh, oh, donating your body to science in, in um, uh, movies or on TV or whatever. And so I, we actually get to talk to someone that, that takes care of that process. Um, now I, I have to, yeah. to say I, I did, you know, poke around uh, Stanford's web website and uh, found out a little bit about you. And I think while most of us uh, sometimes land in different careers than we had thought we would, you have uh, a rather interesting legacy uh, with Stanford in that your father also worked in the same department there. Is that correct? Yeah, my father was a professor here for 47 years. He did um, exactly what I do, but he also was an instructor. Wow. So this was my summer job when I was a young kid, 12, 13 years old. I'd come in and help my dad. How cool is that? And then, you know, of course, you, you have gone on as, as well there. Uh, now, how long have you um, uh, been with the uh, body uh, donation program? I've been here 20 plus years. Wow, that's great. Um, yeah. Uh, so how long has, has Stanford been uh, accepting bodies uh, for donation? Is that the... What, well, what back to, uh, you know, at least 47, 50 years ago when my dad first started working here. It's uh, when they started uh, doing body donations here. Now... And at the time... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, at the time it was, you know, it was, uh, we didn't get very many donations at that time, but uh, it's definitely increased within the years. Now, um, I would presume that um, because of the processes that are involved in, in preserving uh, a body, um, that there's probably some pre-planning that should go into it. This isn't something that you'd make a a, a rash donation uh, uh, decision of. I noticed on on the website there's some forms to fill out so that you can alert people um, that this is right. indeed what you'd like to do. Uh, should should someone that would be interested in in uh, donating or willing their body to science should they contact uh, Stanford as well uh, beforehand mm -hmm. to make whatever arrangements would need to be or is the form on the website sufficient to get the process well, moving? You can do both. Um, you can call, and we can definitely send you the mail, uh, send you the information uh, through the regular mail.
the body, uh, but still we'd like to have the paperwork done before they pass. And and that makes uh, a, a lot of sense because uh, yeah. uh, it it's it's a I would imagine an intensely personal decision. Now, can anyone donate their body to the program? Um, I, I did notice there were some criteria up there, but um, obviously. We don't know how or when we're going to go. Um, exactly. And so. Exactly. Um, yes, anybody can donate their bodies. Um, I mean, there are stipulations that uh, would procure you from coming into the program, but we make that decision at the time of death. Um, you know, some of the big ones is edema, which is fluid in the extremities. Um, jaundice, of course, if you have any infectious diseases, we can't accept you. Um, if you're over 230 pounds, um, we can't accept you. Um, but all those decisions are made at the, at the time of passing. So the family will know instantaneous when they call me if we accept the body or not. Um, in our paperwork, we always suggest that you have a backup just in case. Uh, we can't accept you, but out of, I would say, out of uh, 10 cases, we probably take eight um, of those 10, um, the, and the other, re, you know, we don't, we won't accept is probably because usually it's a DEMA deal with, uh, um, you know, the fluid in the limbs. Um, we just can't work around that, unfortunately. Okay. Now, can someone donate, and I, I don't mean to sound macabre or strange, but a, a, a portion of their body. So, for instance, if someone's a uh, you know, in your driver's license, often you can put mm -hmm. a sticker that says, I, I'll give my liver and my lungs and whatever. Right. Um, right. Can they do that and still be a, 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 a will or body to you? We will let them, if uh, they want to donate organs, we, will, uh, we can work around if they donate the eyes. Okay. Um, but the rest of the body needs to be intact. Um, because what we do is we teach uh, gross anatomy to first-year medical students. And if liver's gone, heart's gone, it's kind of hard to teach anatomy when the organs are gone. Yeah. <laughs> Have a little sticker inside saying this, this, this is what yeah. you would normally <laughs> see. Probably wouldn't work so well. Um, now, what right. about um, diseases such as Alzheimer's or cancer? Does that preclude someone from donating? Um, no. Um, it used, we used to not to take people with uh, cancer is, uh, if it's spread, but if it was localized, we would go ahead and take it. But nowadays, so many people do have cancer that um, we go ahead and take it, and this, uh, the students just work around it. Um, but yeah, Alzheimer's is not a problem. Okay. That's not a problem at all. Now, is there an age limit? You know, you, you have to be, you know, X amount of years old, and you can't be older than 100 or, or whatever that yeah, range would be? It's, it's actually, um, the, the biggest problem would be young. Um, older is fine. Uh, we've had people come in here as old as 104, 105. Um, so that's not a problem. Age isn't a problem. The problem would be if um, the person was too young um, because we are working with uh, medical students that are usually in their early 20s. And if they had to work on someone their own age, um, I think that would be extremely difficult for them. Um, dealing with someone that's, you know, led a long life, um, it's a little bit easier to um, deal with 
than someone their own age. So young is usually a problem, and unfortunately, young people don't think about donating their bodies um, unless they have cancer or something. But um, uh, most young people don't die what we consider as um, natural causes. It's usually, um, you know, um, a traumatic injury, car accident, um, you know, something like that would... um, and then that would, if they were in a car accident, that would preclude them to coming into the program anyway. Right, uh, because the body would be probably right. damaged, yeah. Right. Uh, or have sustained trauma. Um, right. Now, is there a, a cost to the process if someone donates their body to you and presuming that they're accepted into the program? No, there's no cost. Um, we will go, uh, we have a, you know, we have a ratio that will go. Uh, we go to Sacramento, we'll go to Santa Rosa, um, Tracy. You, so as long as you're in our jurisdiction, which is about 200 miles, um, it's completely free. Um, we pay for, Stanford pays for everything, transportation, all the permits, um, the cremation. Um, so there is no charge to the family. And then if the family wishes to have the ashes back, we will receive turn the ashes to the family once once the study is done once we are done yeah and that could be anywhere from a week up to two years it all just depends on what we use the body for now which which actually is a great lean into my next question is uh how how are these bodies stored so you you get the the body in you i presume embalm it uh so it is preserved uh, right. Are they like in a, a, a warehouse, if you will? I, I mean, well, we, on racks or? Yeah, we have a facility here that's big enough that we have we have racks um, that the bodies slide into on a pan, and then they're kept there until we need them. Um, but the embalmed bodies we use, you know, they're usually here for about two years. Mm-hmm. Um, so once they're embalmed, they'll sit in the rack until they are needed in the dissecting room. We also use fresh cadavers um, to te- uh, for teaching surgeons and uh, residents here on campus. And so those bodies are not embalmed. And those ones we turn around a lot faster and get them back to families um, than if they were embalmed. Now, um, and that's a, that's a great point because I had presumed that you would be, be doing the... Uh, training everybody would have to be in bomb so if if not then you'd actually have a surgical student who'd be able to practice the operation right right um in bomb tissue um in bomb uh, the embalmed bodies they have a lot different texture and of course their color is all distorted it's all a um it's the muscles look like a brickish color um mm. and everything's kind of the same color um so when surgeons want to practice procedure, learn procedures, they want to use something that is as close as possible to the actual operating room. Um, so that's why we use fresh cadavers. The only difference is, of course, in the operating room, the person has a pulse. Here they don't. Um, mm-hmm. But the color's still the same. The tissue's still the same. Um, so they get the feeling of what it takes to, you know, if, uh, if they're pulling on an artery, how much pressure they can put on that artery before it tears so that kind of stuff it's the closest then working on embalmed stuff um it's it's completely different it's a lot more tough 
Well, because it's because the tissue's you know, fixed. You preserved it, yeah. Right, um, the tissue's fixed. Now, would would someone direct, you know, for instance, uh, that they wanted to be um, uh, a surgical? Uh, I don't want to say candidate, but you know, to, to train surgeons versus other medical students, or is that something you determine based on that, whatever the knee is at the time? Yeah, I, I determine that as they come in. Um, it's just a matter of. Um, what's on the book for that week if we have a bunch of courses from surgeons coming in or if it's if it's quiet there's nothing going in on um then i won't bomb but if i have a lot of courses that i need um i'll use the bodies for fresh cadavers it's just okay. a matter of what's going on that week all right chris we are up against a break but we'll continue our discussion on the other side of it listeners don't go away we'll be back in just a few moments Senior Helpers provides essential information, in-home care, and support for seniors living with Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, dementia, and other disabling diseases. We spoke with renowned occupational therapist, Tipa Snow, about some of the myths surrounding Alzheimer's disease. Some of the myths about dementia and Alzheimer's is that people aren't trying and that maybe we should push them harder. There's a point at which the brain is dying, and so people are doing the best they can in that moment. What we could do is change how we go about it. Another myth is that it's all genetic. Not necessarily, lifestyle matters. How we live our life makes a difference. We also know that not everybody will get it. It's not something that for sure, as you age, you will develop. For more information on Senior Helpers, please visit us online at seniorhelpers.com. Senior Helpers is a member of the Alzheimer's Foundation of America. We're this close. We're this close. We are this close. Of humanity to making history. This close to changing the world. We're this close. This close. This close to making sure no child suffers a crippling disease ever again. This close. We are this close to ending polio. To ending polio. All we need is you. Is you. This close. If we donate now, we may lose this chance forever. Help Rotary make history at endpolionow.org. Imagine if I told you that an earthquake was going to hit tomorrow right where you live. That it would be 6.5 in magnitude with aftershocks occurring twice 25 minutes apart. You'd no doubt talk with your loved ones and you'd make a plan today. It's true, I can't tell you an earthquake will happen tomorrow. But what if it does? Shouldn't you have a plan? Go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Unexpected reactions to smart financial decisions brought to you by FeedThePig.org. Well, I finally did it. I improved my credit score. You're kidding, right? Uh, no. How are we supposed to be the bad boys of electrosynth pop if you're out there being responsible? The band is about to be discovered. This is our year. Uh, yeah, you've been saying that for a while now. You think anyone in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was worried about their credit score? I never really thought that Of you're... course they weren't. Rock stars aren't supposed to think about that kind of stuff. We're supposed to think about how many guitars we've smashed, write aggressively sensitive power ballads, start questionable fashion trends, tragically break up and blame creative differences. All right, all right, just... I thought maybe it was time to take control of my finances, you know? Start using a budget, get out of debt, set some goals. A budget? Debt? Set some goals? Listen, I knew that we'd have our creative differences, but I was hoping they'd involve a little more scandal. 
When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. All right, we're back. We're going to be continuing our conversation with Chris Dolph, who is the director of the Will Body Program at Stanford University in California. Um, and don't worry, if you go to our website, funeralfact.com, you'll be able to, uh, again, get more information on how to contact our guests, see what's in store for com- uh, upcoming episodes, as well as give us your feedback and ideas for future shows. Chris, this is fascinating to me. You had mentioned uh, before we went to the break uh, that mm-hmm. there's a, a service area um, that you're able to uh, uh, take care of. And if one of our listeners, say, is out of state, uh, is there a network of, of schools that, that take care of this? So obviously, if I call you from Kansas, uh, you can refer right. me maybe to a, a medical school that would be within that area. Right, yes. Um, as, as long as there is usually a medical school, most medical schools do have um, a body donation program. Um, now, not in all me- medical schools have a dissecting lab, so those schools, uh, unfortunately, don't use cadavers. Um, but most of the medical schools uh, do have some kind of uh um, cadaver course, some dissecting course, or they would be able to tell you which schools in their area um, you could call. Okay. Um, and now, uh, I think you had also mentioned, uh, or it might have been in some of the research that I did, uh, for instance, on, on your bodies, you, you don't want an autopsy performed. You, you want the, the whole body to be intact. Um, and then that way you can use it as, as the need would arise. Um, now you said in the, uh, paperwork, I believe that it does suggest Mm -hmm. a secondary plan and that would be a traditional mortuary or some other, uh, funeral home, that type of a thing. Yeah, it would be either, um, that the family would go ahead and, um, contact either a local funeral home and either do a cremation or burial through them. Um, I always suggest, uh, the families that, that if they don't want to go to the funeral home, they can contact the Neptune Society, which just does cremations. Um, and then there's other organizations, you know, there's other uh, um, organizations out there, too. If the family, you know, if they want to donate organs and stuff, I'll give them to the transplant unit or stuff. But that is always um, time sensitive. Right. Um, now, uh, are there any um, religious organizations that ob- object to this process that you know of? I, I couldn't find any in researching this show. Um, I really don't know. Um, I know um, that, you know, talking to some of my staff here, that um, um, that they're um, one of the gals, that dad, they're Jewish, and that they ha- he has to be in the ground within 24 hours. So that wouldn't, they wouldn't be able to use our service. Okay. Um, but other than that, no, I haven't heard of anybody. Well, um, I, by the way, thank you for promo, promoting a show that's coming up, I think, next week, which is the uh, Jewish uh, Funeral oh. Customs and Traditions. But, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. and, and like I said, it's, it just, it, like I said, the entire process to me is fascinating. Um, yeah. And that, you know, medical students have to learn somehow. Correct. And, Correct. Uh, 
Uh, and this is, you know, I, I had heard rumors when I was uh, going to school. Uh, I went to a little school that you may have heard of across the bay that has a friendly football game with you guys every year. Oh, no, uh, don't say Berkeley. <laughs> I, oh, I didn't, but thank you. Thank you for mentioning Cal. Go Bears. Uh, at any rate, um, you know, you, I had heard rumors, or, you know, because I'd considered a career in medicine. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that they you dissected pigs and, and other things. And, and it was very difficult to uh, get your, right. uh, you know, a body for class. And to me, that just makes so much more sense. Um, now, do you think as technology grows and 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 gets better do you think we'll ever have virtual uh, cadavers if you will for the medical well students? there's there's stuff out there now um there's a lot of 3d stuff out there there's um um there's a virtual reality table um um that was actually developed here on one of the doctors that works in our department um works on um, and it's Adamage, um, and they have uh, a table that's you can put. There's a full body on it. You can um, take skin off it, arteries, whatever you want, and it's like a big iPad. Wow. Um, so everything's in depth. It's um, it's extremely helpful, um, but it's an aid it's to go along with the dissecting lab because there's nothing like getting your hands on a heart holding someone's heart in your hand being able to look at it in your hands being able to peer down into it you can't do that on a computer you can't get the feeling of the tissue um, and feel how thick it is or how thin it is so all the technology um, is great but it's to go along with the dissecting lab um, the dissecting lab here on campus is always ranked number one through the medical students. It's always their number one um, favorite class, um, and as well as the undergrad. We teach an undergrad anatomy course, too, and they're always number one in, um, in both medical school and undergrad. And it's, I feel it's definitely the experience of the students dissecting, being able to come into a dissecting room and being able actually to dissect a human body with these people gifted to us. Um, and they come back years later saying, you know, it was the best experience I ever had. Um, you know, it got me, you know, going in the direction I wanted to go in. Um, so it's just, it's just a, a very, very important well, I would I would equate it to uh, watching a YouTube video versus actually doing something. You can watch someone right. build a house on YouTube. It's very easy. Uh, but if you try and do the construction, eh, it's a little bit different than what you you thought it might be. Exactly. And no two bodies are the same. That's just it. I mean, in a, in a computer, everything's going to be the same. Um, the bo- Everybody's different. Mm-hmm. So now, it's... What what would the the time frame be if if when someone passes away they've got the forms, how quickly do you need to know about it so that you can dispatch uh, someone to pick them up? Because obviously you you have a limited time before decomposition starts to occur. Right. We usually get a call within the first four hours of death. Usually it's a lot earlier than that. It's usually within an hour after death. 
Uh, of course, unless someone passes at home by themselves and caregivers right. or family don't find them till the next day. But um, usually it's in, you know, I would say it's within four hours after death, if not a little sooner. Okay. So, but if, if someone wasn't, you know, maybe they'd, they'd passed away in their sleep and they'd been, a, you know, uh, dead for a number of hours, that wouldn't necessarily preclude them from participating no, in the no, program. No, no, no. if it was a few days, yes. But if it was just, you know, um, eight hours, ten hours, that's usually okay. Okay. I can work around that. And... Um, Again, that I didn't realize that uh, after their use for uh, the program had uh, uh, been done, that that you took care of the cremation and then returned the ashes to the family, which is is really nice too, because it does bring them back yes. around. Now, uh, the UC system um, does not return ashes, hmm. um, so San Francisco, UC San Francisco, UC Davis. Um, the schools that are here close to me, they do not. Um, we do. Um, and it's just something that Stanford, actually, my, well, Stanford and my father, when my father was doing it, that he thought would be beneficial to the program. And that um, it was kind of our little niche here in the Bay Area with the other schools around that um, uh, families would rather come here than go to the big schools instead of uh, and being able to get their loved one's ashes back. Yeah, it, it, it does. It di- differentiates you. Is there a lot of convention? Um, con- I can't talk today. This is not a good thing when you do a <laughs> podcast. Is there is there competition for uh, from the different medical schools here in the San Francisco Bay Area? I know we uh, we have a couple, and um, I it. I wouldn't say it's a big competition. I mean, we all, uh, all of us work together because we're tr- we all teach anatomy. Uh, we all, you know, we're all here for education. Um, but, you know, San Francisco has a much bigger program than we do. Um, they okay. teach um, nursing programs, and they have, you know, a, a lot more schools that they teach, dental program. Here at Stanford, it's just a medical school. Um, we just teach anatomy. We are starting up a PA program here this year um, that are going to be um, in with our medical students, but we're it's very small. I mean, we're going to be, I think, 104 or something like that students. Um, but, <clears throat> excuse me, um, we're not in per se, you know, uh, competition with San Francisco and Davis Um there's enough to go around for everybody and it's just a matter of you know what people um desire is some people don't um the families don't necessarily uh want the ashes back for going to uc davis or san francisco is fine but then there's other ones that um the family definitely want the ashes back and instead of signing up for san francisco or davis they will sign up here with us well excellent chris uh, the clock has gotten to us once again. I want to thank you. Um, and again, to our listeners, this is Christopher Dolph, the director of the Stanford University Will Body Donation Program. Chris, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to help educate us all today. Uh, you'll find a link uh, to the Stanford University Will Body Pro- Donation Program, as well as all of our other guests at funeralfact.com. 
And I also want to thank you, our listeners from around the world, as we continue to increase in the rankings in iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and the Google Play Music Store. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Get on over to FuneralFact.com and find the links to our guest website, information on upcoming topics and episodes, and to give us your feedback. We'd really love to hear from you. Until next time, this is Jeff Casper wishing you great days and good luck. Proceeding broadcast is copyright 2017 Casper Media. All rights reserved.